Instead of syncing your phone with iTunes, downloading an MP3 into your mobile device, you can stream episodes of MTR with the Stitcher Smart Radio app. Stitcher allows you to listen to My Take Radio via your 4G, 3G, or Wi-Fi connections. Downloading it is quick and easy. Head over to stitcher.com forward slash my take and you'll even be eligible to win some money. Enter my take all one word in the promo box and you'll be eligible to win $100 courtesy of my take radio and Stitcher. MTR Live starts right now. Are you ready? This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 143, Re- recording live Thursday, June 21st, 2012. It is a swelter here in New York City this Thursday. Fucking dying. I figured I'd have to shut off my AC and my fan to actually give you guys a show with no sound, so I am probably going to sweat to death. So in the event that I did pass out from heat exhaustion, I apologize in advance. Uh, the caller number is 347-324-3541. Again, that caller number is 347-324-3541. Our feedback line is 347-815-0687, 347-815-0MTR. If you don't want your messages played on air, please make sure to specify that at the start of the recording. All right, it's another week, seven episodes away from the big MTR 150. Uh, a lot of shit has gone on the last couple of days. We've been doing a lot of great stuff behind the scenes, sharing our content. Uh, you're going to start seeing some MTR content on Yahoo probably within the next two weeks, if all goes according to plan. In addition to that, we're using uh, Usay2, which is another social media site that's that's on the come up. We got to see them at Blog World, and we are sharing our content there. Also, if you've been by MyTakeRadio.com in the last couple of days, you've seen a ton of new trailers. We've been putting trailers on the Facebook fan page as well. Super active, just trying to keep things moving as smoothly as possible in between everything else. Just wanted to let you guys know, if I didn't mention it before, that the MTR fan page is being moderated not only by me, but by Andrea and Slick as well. So please be aware of that if you see certain comments. Most times we're going to try to make sure to tag who is writing the comments at the end of them, but sometimes it just slips through the cracks. I figured you guys would want to know that. So be aware that Slick, Andrea, and myself are all working on the Facebook fan page. Also, at the top of the broadcast, you heard about Stitcher. Stitcher is the app that allows you to listen to episodes of MTR on the go without any MP3s, no iTunes, no headaches. Stitcher.com forward slash my take. 
If you enter my take in the promo code, you're eligible to win $100 courtesy of Stitcher and my take radio. So make sure to do that. If you're looking for another way to listen to the show, MTR is also now on tune in radio. So if you're using the tune in radio app, you can look for my take radio there as well. As usual, the best way to hear my take radio is with the MTR app, 96 K stereo episodes, along with exclusive content. It's a dollar 99. You can pick it up in the Amazon marketplace and also in iTunes for your iOS devices. Works on the iPad, iPhone, and iPod as well. Things have been a little quiet on the t-shirt front. Like I said, I kind of put that on the back burner again. Uh, Get Glue check-ins. Please continue to check in with Get Glue. Maybe one day they'll give us a little love and want to put out the stickers. Until then, though, the the check-ins are nice. It shows you guys are supporting us, and we appreciate it greatly. This week, we got a couple of articles and stuff coming up. There may even be a special app-exclusive episode recorded tomorrow. That's all the information I'm going to give you about that. That's kind of a surprise. So if you have the MTR app, you'll get the access to that episode probably later on this weekend. So be on the lookout for that as well. Uh, Tonight's topics, we're going to talk some MMA news. Things were a little light this week. Uh, No UFC events till tomorrow and Saturday. So it's mostly just going to be most of the MMA stuff that has happened this week that I want to kind of touch on a little bit. Want to talk about impact, no way out. Monday Night Raw, we got your video game news and your movie news as well. But before I get into any of that this week, I did want to discuss Blog World a little bit. I didn't get to really touch on it last week as much as I had wanted to, only because I kind of rushed through the episode for some reason. I don't remember what the hell was going on last week. But um, yeah, like like I said previously, we did Blog World uh, second week in June. It was a great experience. Uh, made a lot of great contacts, met a lot of great people, um, got some guest writers from the blog world experience. Uh, Megan from Slingshot SEO, she put up one of the first articles this week in the tech section regarding gadgets uh, that you can use for golfing. Uh, Gadgets are gadgets, tech is tech, and, you know, it needed to be shared. So definitely be on the lookout for Megan's work. We're also going to be working with the ladies from Insert Geek Here, They're going to be doing some guest posting for us as well, covering a couple of different things. So if you haven't familiarized yourself with them yet, do yourself a favor. Check them out on Facebook. Just go to Insert Geek Here. We've linked to them numerous times, and I believe we even have links to them in the link section of the site. Uh, Those ladies are going to do some really great stuff. And on the comic front, we may even get some movie and TV stuff as well, uh, depending on what they want to share. So be on the lookout for that as well. But... Blog World was a fantastic experience. I went, of course, representing MTR first and foremost, but I got to do a lot of really cool stuff with the guys from the GFQ network and also with the IAIB. Uh, For those of you that don't know, the IAIB is the International Association of Internet Broadcasters, uh, started by Spencer Coburn from The Bald Truth and also by Andrew Zarian from the GFQ network, uh, two class act guys. And basically the purpose of the IAIB is... It's um, an association for people that do vidcasting, podcasting, and internet radio just to have a place where they can meet on common ground, discuss techniques, hardware, software, things to make their product better, and just a place where the community kind of helps each other out. One of the things I've always talked about is that podcasting, vidcasting, all that stuff, there's, there's so much information out there, and some people just get misinformed. They're not doing the right stuff. And 
The IAIB is a great forum to join just to, like I said, exchange information, learn new techniques, and a lot of that stuff we've added to the show, improvements in audio, improvements in hardware. Uh, shout out to Mike Phillips. He's been instrumental in, in a lot of the stuff that we do that makes our sound fantastic. And um, they've been a great resource. So during my during my time at Blog World, you know, I was a, I was a guest of theirs as well. I was by the IAIB booth. And like anything else, no good deed goes unpunished. Um, I'm not going to get into too many intimate details, but a lot of guys that are there at Blog World that are quote unquote big names in the in the Internet broadcasting industry are secretive, whiny, cutthroat pieces of shit. I'm sorry, but it's true. These are the guys that they feel that since they've been in the industry for so long that nobody can come along and do something new and different because they created everything according to them. They created podcasting. They created the medium. Just because they were the first guys to make a little bread off of the medium, these guys swear that they're hot shit. They're really not. These are, you know, uh, chubby, douchey, uh, Nike, Nike sport wearing embroidered assholes that, you know, they sit there and when you, when they're talking to you, they're not talking to you with the intention of, of genuinely getting to know who you are. They're talking to you to see if they can pluck anything out of you to improve whatever they're doing, or if you're even worthy of being spoken to. And the funny thing is that you can see those guys immediately. Those are the guys that nobody really talks to because they're bigger than the game itself. And if it's one thing I've learned in doing shows on, you know, for you guys since 2006 is that you're never bigger than this business. The only thing you can do to make yourself big in the in any medium is just to give people great content and share information as best as possible. Now, before anybody gets on their high horse about sharing information, I'm going to touch on this and then I'm just going to move on to what else went on. The fact is when you, when you do a show of any type and people ask you for help, you pay it forward and you give help. I've done that. You know, we, we, we've, we've done a lot of shit. Slick can attest. We've helped a lot of people. We've given a lot of tips, a lot of advice, a lot of stuff off air to up and coming brands and shows, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I can help you. I can't do the shit for you. You know, the same way I spend sleepless nights trying to improve my shit, you, these other people should do the same. That's all I'm saying. So sometimes there, there's going to be some of you that may ask me for some shit and I may just answer you with Google. That's it. Because we're not the only game in town and the information is out there. You just got to search for it. But moving on to the, the cooler part of the of the event, we got to do some really cool stuff with, like I said, with the GFQ network. I actually went on air with them and, um, I went on air. I was actually on camera, which was a little awkward. I got to put the video on the site for you guys to check out. But, uh, other than that, we, we did some cool stuff. We had some cool dinners. Uh, we actually had dinner at the, at the Sapphire strip club in the city. Now you might ask yourself, how the fuck do you expect to have dinner at a strip club? Well, this particular strip club is actually very, very high-end, and they have a restaurant portion separate from the uh, nudie portion. And, um, they, you know, we got there, and I probably had one of the most amazing hamburgers I have ever had. And <laughs> it, was, it was an interesting experience, but it was, it was super fucking cool. Everybody was really nice. Um, so just wanted to thank all those guys at Blog World for 
for embracing MTR, teaching us a lot of shit, and working with us on a lot of cool stuff. So that's pretty much what went down at Blog World. Let's get into some MMA because it's kind of light this week, and it's hot as hell. So I kind of need my AC. Let's get the ball rolling. All right, the MMA segment this week is brought to you by MMA Warehouse. Get all your favorite MMA walkout shirts and fighting gear from MMAWarehouse.com. A crazy survey got put out this week, which of course is going to raise a couple of eyebrows. Uh, The Sports Business Journal did a survey among 1,100 major sports decision makers about their interest in WWE, UFC, and boxing over the past five years. Now, the results were surprising on a couple of fronts, and it's because of the following. WWE, there was only a 4% increase in pro wrestling. 32% stated they had the same level of interest as before, and 64% said they had less interest in the wrestling product. UFC and MMA in general had 29% more interest, a continued 39% interest, and 32% said they were less interested. So the fact that people are actually more interested in MMA than pro wrestling and wrestler, you know, WWE says that they're not competition. This is definitely an eye opener on the boxing front. 7% said they had more interest while 41% remained the same. And 53% said they had less interest. We already know what the deal is with boxing. There's so much crookedness and so much shit going on in boxing that I can understand uh, frustration from the fans and all this shit. It, it's really crazy, but On the flip side, I do have to say that boxing still has some life left in it. I think that they just need to to tighten up the business end and put out cards that people want to see and not the same bullshit or the same tomato can fights that people are used to. There's so many good boxers that don't get promoted the same way as household names that that's one of the reasons why the sport is where it is. So definitely an eye-opener. Pro wrestling definitely needs to step their game up. As much as they say that MMA is not competition, this, like I said, reinforced that they clearly are. In some Bellator news, Paul Daly is now officially a Bellator fighter. Oh, wow. That was a bit of accent coming out there. Yeah, so Paul Daly joins Bellator. He'll be debuting at Bellator 72 next month. Uh, As we all know, Paul Daly was with Strikeforce. Before that, he was with Zufa. And he feels that he wasn't getting enough opportunities in Strike Force due to the frequency of fights. With Bellator, he hopes to change that. So I wish Paul Daly luck. I think he'll do good in that organization. He'll be involved in the tournaments, hopefully. And he'll be able to have fights on a consistent basis. In some drug suspension news, and it seems like every week I do a show, this continues to happen. MMA Junkie reported that former Strike Force champion uh, Fei Zhao tested positive after defeating Mike Kyle at Strikeforce Heavyweight's Grand Prix Final. The California State Athletic Commission, uh, the executive officer, George Dodd, did not reveal the substance that was found, but Cavalcante will be, sus- will be suspended for one year. So there you have it, guys. Fucking crazy. The victory is likely now to be overturned to a no contest unless the appeal is successful. Uh... Feijiao had his fifth win in six fights. He only lost once to Dan Henderson in 2011. Um, The win over Mike Kyle was probably 
giving him a shot at Gegard Mousasi for the vacant light heavyweight title. We know where the fuck that went. Seems that, you know, initially they didn't report what he tested positive for, but it turns out it was for uh, Stanazole metabolites. So there you have it. He's going to have the year-long suspension, a $2,500 fine. As of right now, though, um, we already know that the win over Kyle will be turned to a no contest. So there you have it. You know, it's crazy. These guys, they they continue to think that they could skirt around the commission with this drug testing. This shit is real serious. And if you're attributing it to over-the-counter supplements, then you clearly, clearly are not doing your research. Do your research, guys. Now you get to sit at home for a year. The victory you had is taken away from you. You got to pay out money, and you're branded a cheat. Definitely not the fucking way to go. So there you have it, folks. Fade Jow sitting at home for a year. Antonio Rodrigo Nogueira had to pull out of UFC 149. It seems that his broken arm has not fully healed yet. Sean Jordan will be his replacement to take on Czech Congo. And UFC 149 is going to be July 21st in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. The main event, Uriah Faber, Henan Burrell, the debut of Hector Lombard. Also, CR the Killer is fighting on that card. And like I said, Sean Jordan and Czech Congo. It's unfortunate. I thought I was really excited to see Nogueira come back from the arm injury and and take on Congo. That looked to be a really good fight and definitely a test for Nogueira's stand-up. But unfortunately, the arm has not healed fully. So he's going to have to wait a little bit longer. In some other news, the UFC 148 card got an additional fight added to it. Chad Mendes is going to be taking on Cody McKenzie. And um, Ivan Menjabar is taking... Menjavar, Menjavar, excuse me, is taking on Mike Easton. So that's going to be happening July 7th, as we already know. The main event, Anderson Silva, Chael Sonnen, Tito Ortiz's last fight against Forrest Griffin, Kung Lee's taking on Patrick Cote, uh, Stun Gun Kim, Damian Maya, Mendes and McKenzie, and Mike Easton and Ivan Menjavar. So that's a that's going to be a fantastic card. Like I said, Tito's last fight, it's going to be definitely a very emotional weekend, but I have a feeling that that Silva Sonnen fight is just going to be amazing. UFC on Fuel TV 5 taking place in September got a nice boost. Dan Hardy will be taking on Amir Sadala on that card. Also, Stipe Miocic from uh, Fight Insight Radio and MMA Gospel, he's been on a couple of times, has taken on Stefan Struve. That, that card is taking place in Nottingham, England, so it's going to be a nice home field advantage for Dan Hardy when he takes on Amir Sadala. As I mentioned during last week's show, they're no longer going to be doing the fight into the house for the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, Instead of open audition, well, they're going to do that, but instead of open auditions, they actually are going to do uh, just potential contestants being interviewed directly. It's crazy that they want to go that way because originally the open tryouts were, you know, the best tried and true method for those guys to get on the show, but they're just going to reach out to fighters directly. So we'll see how well that formula improves the upcoming season of the ultimate fighter if you haven't heard lately pedro rizzo took on Fedor emilianenko um and of course got knocked the fuck out by the last emperor and fedor in what's pretty much huge news announced that he was retiring from mma competition after a tour after a 12-year career uh fedor announced that he is retiring he said in a statement i think it's time to quit My family influenced my decision. My daughters are growing without me. That's why it's time to leave. At 35 years old, 
He noted that he was not going to be enticed out of retirement by any fantastic offers. So there you have it, guys. Fedor has officially retired with a record of 34-4 and and one one no contest. He was Pride Heavyweight Champion, 2004 Pride Heavyweight Grand Prix Champion. He was the first and only WA MMA Champion. And he left the sport on a three-fight win streak with victories over Jeff Monson, Satoshi Ishii, and Pedro Rizzo. So I just want to take a moment and say that Fedor is an amazing fighter, regardless of what the um, you know the Zufa regime tries to tell you. You have a guy who had one of the best records in mixed martial arts, came in there and, and you know bled, sweat, and fought for us. The guy's accomplishments cannot be denied in any shape, way, or form. He was a tremendous fighter and an asset to the sport, a great ambassador. I'm really sad to to see him retire without fighting in the UFC. I think that fighting in the UFC for Fedor would have been amazing, not only because of the fights that he could have had, but just because of what he's done for the sport. It would have just been another great accolade for him to add to his already impressive re- his impressive resume. I mean, look, you take a guy like Fedor, he has his ups and downs. You put him now, uh, like everybody said, you put him in, in the 205 division, see how he fares in that division. I think he would have done well if he would have cut a little weight. But again, he's done enough in his career. He doesn't need to prove himself. So as sad as it is, Fedor is officially retired, ladies and gents. So that's going to wrap up this week's MMA news. Let's get right into some wrestling. Booker, take us away. We want the gold, sucker! Hulk Hogan, we coming for you, nigga! Before we start this week's wrestling segment, you may have noticed that there was no buried this week on the Raw side of things. There was a buried for No Way Out, but there was not a buried for Raw. There is a big mystery surrounding buried, which will probably be revealed tomorrow. We shall see what happens. So, those of you that have asked why there was no buried for Raw, you will have your answer tomorrow. Alright, let's talk No Way Out first. Because there was a couple of things I want to touch on. I'm not going to go on through every match um, the opener with Brodus and David Otunga fuck David Otunga right in his ass because he's garbage. And the fact that he, um, you know, Brodus Clay won via countout, I don't understand how they wanted to keep Otunga strong in this match. It was complete bullshit, but it is what it is. Sheamus and Dolph Ziggler, I expected that match to be a lot better for some reason. It seems that Sheamus' smash mouth style do- doesn't mesh well with Ziggler. A lot of people feel that Sheamus's title reign as of late has not been as good as WWE hoped. I think Dolph Ziggler had a great opportunity to come out and get the title and just do something surprising, but why would the WWE do that? Needless to say, Sheamus did retain the belt, catching Dolph Ziggler with the brogue kick. Then we had a tuxedo match, at which point I got up to take a shit. Skip that. Christian took on Cody Rhodes in what was actually a very good match. I think these two guys have the potential to have bigger feuds going down the road. I think that right now feuding for the belt is a story in itself, but I think there's there's a chemistry between these guys. Cody Rhodes' promo work is improving. Uh, Christian is always solid, 
definitely starting to show his age a little bit, in my opinion. He seemed to be moving a little slower for some reason. Christian is a guy that high-flying has, you know, the frog splash. He has some great moves, but he's moving more in that WWE safe punch-kick, punch-kick, signature move, finisher, move on. But I, overall, the match was solid. I just think that, that they just need more story than just the belt. Something more needs to be added to it. I don't know what. Maybe Cody Rhodes could show up at Edge's house and fucking beat his ass. Something, something, something more to make people want to invest in that storyline. It just felt a little dry, that match, for some reason. The Fatal 4-Way for the tag team titles was actually surprisingly entertaining, and the only reason I say that isn't because of Titus O'Neil and Darren Young, because fuck those guys, but because of Justin Gabriel and Tyson Kidd. Those guys really, really have great chemistry, tremendous offense. I don't know what the hell's going on with the Usos. I don't know if they're telling them to intentionally get fat to continue the chubby Samoan stereotype, but even with their added size, they continue to be very entertaining to watch. Uh, The Goya brothers were betrayed by A.W., who aligned himself with the primetime players, Chaco Cena and uh, Titus O'Neil, which uh, I don't dislike Titus O'Neil and Darren Young. I just, I feel that they're just boring. I mean, adding A.W. to it is good. It's good. It's good that to have a manager because the mouthpiece of for those guys was Darren Young, and he wasn't exactly cutting the greatest of promos. So take it for what it's worth. So Darren Young and uh, Darren Young got the pinfall on Primo, and they are now your number one contenders. We had an awesome promo exchange between Triple H and Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman continues to remind everybody why why he is the best promo guy in the fucking business. Especially a lot of the inside jabs at Triple H. And the beauty of Paul Heyman, like I've said and we all know, is that I'm sure he doesn't let people know the entire promo he's going to cut. He probably gives them a broad stroke approach. Then he comes out there and just kills it. And Triple H sold it well. He, he conveyed the right amount of anger. And he didn't have the most boring promo ever like he usually does. So I was very entertained. Heyman, of course, setting up the Brock Lesnar-Triple H match, which... As much as he says Brock isn't going to do it, that poster for SummerSlam being ready kind of put a big dent in the storyline because if Triple H was smart, he said if Brock Lesnar comes back, he'll get top billing for this pay-per-view and not just have the poster ready at the drop of a hat. It looks fucking, it looks kind of childish and it was just a huge plot hole in my opinion. Beth Phoenix continues to be jobbed out to Layla every week. I don't understand where this is going. I mean, Beth Phoenix is your best champion and frankly, Layla is better served chasing than holding the belt because she, she just seems fucking boring, too. I don't know what the fuck happened during that knee injury, but she came back and I'm just I'm just bored watching her on my screen. It is what it is. Sin Cara took on Hunico for the 87th time. And of course, we know the outcome of that match. So we're going to move on and go right into the triple threat, which was very, very, very entertaining. I was... um. I wasn't shocked that they had Kane eat the pinfall only because it doesn't really hurt Kane's character. And of course, the AJ Lee distraction uh, kept everybody pretty much safe in this match and didn't make them look weak. So Kane eating the pinfall was not the worst thing. A lot of great spots. Kane works well with both of these guys. And it's good that they're giving the Big Red Monster uh, a push that's, that's worthy of being considered serious. I mean, the whole AJ thing is, is a nice little t- plot twist. 
to tie all three wrestlers together. But any way you slice it, the match was solid. I'm not saying it was a four-star classic, but it was enjoyable from start to finish. Of course, the man whose intro music played for the start of the segment, Ryback, took on two jobbers as usual. And you know what happens when Ryback gets in there? He kills people dead. Simple as that. Ryback is, is on a tear, and hopefully they'll get him ready for a good feud. I honestly think that a Ryback-Tensai feud would be good. Only because that smash, that smash mouth Tensai offense would work well with against Ryback. And it would just look more legitimate. But obviously they fed him two. At some point they're going to feed him three. And hopefully you never know. They may feed him four as well. And of course the steel cage match. Big Johnny's job on the line. We all know how this ended. John Cena defeated the Big Show by escaping the cage. After all the guys at the Big Show whooped over the last couple of days came out and did not let him escape. So with Cena escaping the cage, John Laurinaitis is fired. That motherfucker is out. Which leads us right into Monday with more craziness as usual. Mick Foley is your GM this week because it seems that rather than having um, a, a previous Raw main eventer, they've decided to go with every week there's going to be a previous interim general manager running Raw and SmackDown. Of course, this week, since Raw was in Long Island, it was a no-brainer that you would have Mick Foley as your GM. And as usual, Mick Foley cut himself a nice, decent promo, cheap pop, beefing with John Laurinaitis, and he set up the main event for the evening with Kane and Daniel Bryan taking on Sheamus and CM Punk, which was the first match to get the ball rolling. Solid match as usual, but the the crazy fucking moment of this match was AJ's music hits, and she skips out in what you would think is a Harley Quinn outfit, but it turns out it is her dressed up as fucking Kane. It was the creepiest, craziest shit I've seen. And Kane just tripped out, abandoned Daniel Bryan, and Daniel Bryan ate himself a GTS and a brogue kick. It was it was insane. It was fucking insane. Next, we had uh, Swagger and Ziggler talking shit to each other. Got it. It was a great setup for a match with Vicky Guerrero services on the line. And this was the match that I felt you could have turned Dolph Ziggler face at this point. Crowd was electric, chanting for his name. He beats Swagger. Vicky Guerrero plants a lip lock, a nice little lip lock on him, and he's he's just chilling, talking shit. What he should have done at that point was when she went and planted the kiss on him, he could have pushed her away, instant face turn. Dolph Ziggler's one of your new main eventers like that at the drop of a hat. Unfortunately, that's not the way they went, and they decided to play it safe and just keep him with Vicky for now. The problem I see with this is that by keeping Vicky with Dolph Ziggler, you lose that heat that Dolph Ziggler is building for himself because Vicky Guerrero is a heat magnet. She actually takes attention away from Ziggler because people are so focused on booing her that it just does not work. That's all I'm saying. Uh, Del Rio took on Santino to defend the honor of his fucking Mexican house slave, Ricardo Rodriguez. The, the way this match goes is fucking academic. I don't even know why Santino has a belt at this point if he's just going to get his ass whooped every week. But... That seems to be the case. We get ourselves a Roddy Piper appearance with Cindy Lauper, Wendy Richter, 
And uh, nice little mention of Captain Lou Albano. And Heath Slater gets to eat a plaque over his head. It seems that Heath Slater's job for the foreseeable future is to be embarrassed by everybody that shows up on Raw. The Goya brothers took on the primetime players in what was another angle advancement match where Primo and Epico kept uh, their momentum going just because they the primetime players just backed out. So Prim, the Goya brothers win via countout. Big Johnny set himself up with a match. John Laurinaitis, the Big Show, David Otunga. Big Show pretty much told him to go fuck himself. David Otunga bounced too. So John Cena proceeded to send John Laurinaitis packing out of the WWE for the foreseeable future. And that's pretty much that. Raw was Raw was surprisingly entertaining. I can understand why there wasn't a buried this week. There were a lot of high points. The, the John Laurinaitis storyline, I'm glad in a way that it's over. Uh, the GMs returning every week the, with the list of GMs, which I'm going to go over just as a refresher for you guys. I think that Roy is going to be very, very interesting leading up to the 1,000th episode. And last but not least, TNA Impact was very entertaining, and the and here's the reason why. Austin Aries last week was asked by Hulk Hogan to forfeit his X Division Championship for a chance at the World Heavyweight Champion Bobby Roode, which Austin Aries did, but he did throw a monkey wrench in Hulk Hogan's plans by suggesting that going forward, any X-Division champion before, before Destination X has the opportunity to forfeit the X-Division title to automatically challenge for the heavyweight championship. Definitely all good in my book. Um, Austin Aries is a solid, solid wrestler, and he will do well in the main event scene. Not only that, but it makes the X-Division title mean something, letting people know that it is the secondary belt in the company. It is the belt that should automatically guarantee a guy an opportunity at a World Heavyweight Championship. I've never understood why they stopped going with that. Even the WWE is guilty of that shit as well. Facts are facts. If you have the second belt in the company, you should automatically be the number one contender. Simple as that. You should. People should look at you first. That, that's the easiest way to do it. All these number one contender matches for the Heavyweight Championship should automatically include your IC or US title holder. It's a fucking no-brainer, but then again, when the fuck has WWE ever used logic? TNA is starting to get there, but they have their moments of shit, too. They started their Bound for Glories, their Bound for Glory series, and of course, it's also open fight night. Uh, Mr. Anderson called out uh, Christopher Daniels, and the match was more angle advancement, like I said, than anything else. Robbie E. took on Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle fucking murder death killed him. Magnus beat AJ due to his distraction with his relationship with uh, Dixie Carter. So Magnus gets himself some points in the BFG series. We get a female TNA gut check challenge. Taylor Hendricks took on Tara. We'll see if Taylor will be able to get herself an impact contract next week when they do the gut check challenge. I think her performance against Tara was pretty good. She has a really cool look. Um, Slightly indie, which is fine, which is good. But she looks to hold her own, and I think that the knockouts division seems to be a little thin. Uh, it's not being showcased the way it used to be, so doing some gut checks with female wrestlers may be the way to go. We had another BFG series match with Samoa Joe and James Storm. I really was hoping Joe would actually gain some momentum in this series, but James Storm caught him with the super kick, and it was a very, very 
I don't know. It just felt like, like usual. The chemistry wasn't there just because James Storm has a very different style than Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe works well with guys that either are great submission and technical wrestlers or guys that are high flyers. In terms of brawlers, it just looks, looks boring. Bully Ray called out Pope D'Angelo De Niro, who I am shocked still has a job, uh, talking shit that he wanted to get himself the easy 10 points. Turns out uh, Pope D'Angelo De Niro did get to beat Bully Ray due to an appearance by Abyss, which of course distracted Bully Ray. So the Pope now gets himself um, a couple of points in the BFG series. Knockout's title match was pretty much as academic as you would expect with Miss Tessmacher and Mickey James. I mean, I, I, Miss Tessmacher's wrestling is just, it's not shit. It's really not shit. It's not Eve Torres shitty, but it's definitely not great either. I honestly think that they could have been better suited putting the belt on Mickey James and turning her heel and have Miss Tessmacher chase, but clearly they want to try and build up the division around this new chick. Well, not new, but some uh, fresh face and, I just don't think it's going to work well. You got way too many veteran knockouts in that division that are just going to make her look like shit. And of course, the BFG match with RVD and Jeff Hardy is as good as you would expect with these two guys. Uh, These guys, they always go out there. They give it 110% and they have great chemistry. Turns out Jeff Hardy, um, RVD missed the, the splash, at which point Hardy caught him with a spike DDT, then twist of fate. And that was it, ladies and gents. And of course, last but not least, they did the the huge angle with AJ and Dixie. They come out holding hands and blah, blah, blah. And um, it seems that they were not having an affair. Uh, Dixie went to AJ. AJ took her to rehab. That's what ended up happening. Such, such fucking cornball shit. Ugh. It was, it was just bullshit. It really was. The whole... Uh, the whole affair thing was just a setup to say that Dixie Carter was a fucking druggie. Really, you drag your CEO into a storyline and just have her come out to be a fucking drug addict? Such bullshit, dude. Such fucking bullshit. But for all the solid matches that Impact had, to close it out with that shitty main event was just not the move. Anyway, in terms of Bound for Glory standings, James Storm is still the leader with 27 points. Kurt Angle got himself 10 points. Mr. Anderson got 7. Magnus also has 7 on the board, as does the Pope and Jeff Hardy. Rob Van Dam, AJ, Bully Ray, Robbie E., Christopher Daniels, and Samoa Joe are batting with donuts right now with no points. That pretty much wraps up Impact for this week. Like I said, it wasn't, it wasn't horse shit. I like being able to watch it because I'm trying to give them a chance, but... They do have their ups and their lows. This week, like I said, some solid wrestling, but the whole Dixie-AJ angle, please close the book on that garbage. Please, I'm begging you. Let's get into some other wrestling news. Uh, uh, TMZ reports that Maven finished his rehab stint. He is very thankful for WWE helping him out. He spent 50 days in rehab and feels that he is now ready to make the transition to a sober living facility. He went on to tell TMZ that I owe the WWE my life for helping me get through this situation. Chapter 2 of my life begins now. I have the clarity and focus that comes with sobriety and will never let my family, friends, and fans down again. So there you have it, guys. Maven seems to have gotten himself cleaned up. Hopefully he stays that way, and you never know. Maybe we'll see him back. I I mean, he he had a good story. He had a, a, a good look. I just felt that at the time there were too many guys on the roster and they had to cut him loose. But hey, you never know. 
I'd like to see him back. He wasn't he wasn't terrible. He really wasn't. He had a he had a long way to go, but it wasn't the worst shit I've seen. I'd rather watch Maven wrestle than Heath Slater. Last week during Impact, they had the Ultimate X match. It was Zima Ion, uh, Austin Aries, and Chris Sabin. At which point, in, early in the match, Chris Sabin appeared to have injured his knee. Turns out he tore the ACL on his good knee after coming back from ACL surgery on his other knee. So, terrible, terrible bad luck for Chris Sabin. He is on the shelf for a while. I wish him a speedy recovery. The dude is a great asset to the X Division, but unfortunately... He is out of action for the time being. The big story, though, as of late, has been everybody's former Spirit Squad member, Ken Doan, a.k.a. Kenny Dykstra, giving everybody tons of information about John Cena's uh, divorce and also the involvement in John Cena's uh, relationship with Mickey James as well. Seems that Ken Doan at one point dated Mickey James, who cheated on him with John Cena. Of course, Mickey James got a little too attached, and John Cena broke it off with her. She got a little crazy. They moved her to a separate brand. They put her in the Piggy James storyline, and then she got the boot. There, that pretty much sums it up. Uh, you know, Kenny Dykstra. He's gone on Twitter. He said a lot of stuff. Honestly, while I understand that you want to keep yourself relevant, no, nobody gives a shit if John Cena fucked Mickey James or if Mickey James dumped you for John's. You're not relevant, and this this has nothing to do with the product on television. Sure, it's great fodder for the dirt sheets, but seriously, who gives a shit? John Cena fucked Mickey James. Props for him. Props to him. You fucked her too. Congratulations. I, I really just feel that going out there and putting somebody's personal business out there, especially from a, from a male point of view, is just real, real petty. It's like it's not like he broke you know he broke up your relationship with Mickey James. That dude's on the verge of his wife taking him for all he's got. If she can prove that he uh, cheated on her during their marriage, that would, of course, uh, damage their prenuptial agreement, and she would be entitled to a fuckload of money. Look, if anybody thinks that the wrestling business isn't full of people sleeping with each other and doing dirt, then they're following the wrong business, because that's what the fuck it is. It's insane. It really is. But I guess I guess this is Kenny's way of staying relevant and you know trying to shed some... Uh, trying to damage John Cena in a way. Maybe he's just bitter about what happened with Mickey James. And, I, and, you know, I can understand that, but there are better ways to do it. You would have been better off just meeting John Cena in the fucking locker room, slapping him in the face, and then, you know, getting into a fist fight with him. It would have been ended, and we could have moved on. What can you do? So, as I mentioned earlier, we're going to get uh, former GMs hosting Raw until they find a new and permanent GM. So, Obviously, they're going to go back to every GM that they've had. Some of the ones that are, are already being listed as potential GMs are Mick Foley, who did Raw, Vicky Guerrero, who's doing Raw and SmackDown next week, Vince McMahon, Teddy Long, Stephanie McMahon, William Regal, Mike Adamley, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Ric Flair, Jonathan Coachman, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, the anonymous GM, plus any of the guest general managers as well. So you can actually grab some of those celebrities for repeat repeat appearances since they were GMs as well. Suspensions are all almost over. Chris Jericho's suspension ends tomorrow. Well, yeah, it ends in 15 minutes on June 22nd. Rey Mysterio's wellness suspension officially ends on Monday, so he may pop up on Raw. Randy Orton's wellness suspension ends July 30th. 
So there you have it. Those guys will be back very, very, very soon. Now, the other story that's been making the rounds is the Alberto Del Rio concussion and threat to quit. Basically, what's happening is Del Rio's been upset about his his status in the main event, and allegedly he had a concussion, which they say he did, and he was cleared to wrestle Sunday, but they had already put Ziggler in the match, so Del Rio, of course, came back on Monday, but what they're going to do is they're going to have Del Rio challenge for the belt at Money in the Bank. I don't understand what Del Rio expects, because the guy wants to be in the main event so bad but frankly, he fucking sucks. He is boring. He's He really is fucking boring, Ricardo Maltambon. Bro, fucking boring motherfucker. He comes out with Toad Face Killer, with fucking Ricardo Rodriguez, comes out, calls people a dog in Spanish, um, wears his fucking fruity scarves. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work. Del Rio is boring. I'm sorry, he is. You would think... That for being a Mexican luchador, he would have, you know, high-flying offense. Something something more than just the cool armbar. The problem is that he, he's adapted himself to the WWE style a little too well. Take some cues from Eddie Guerrero. Take some cues from Rey Mysterio. Fuck, take cues from La Parca, who's more entertaining than you are, and he never uttered a word. Seriously, make yourself more interesting. What, you drive out fancy rent-a-cars every week? Nobody gives a fuck about that, man. Seriously, at this point, separate Rodriguez, put the mask on him, let him wrestle as Chimera, have some fun with that, and let Del Rio carve his own way. It's boring every fucking week he comes out. He does absolutely nothing. Sorry, it's fact. WWE's releasing a brand new DVD and Blu-ray called The 50 Greatest Finishing Moves in WWE History. Of course, the list has already been leaked out. And I'm sure many of you will be annoyed with some of the moves that are listed. I'm going to share them with you guys. And I'm sure that when I publish this list on the fan page, a lot of you will be annoyed. Number 50 is JBL's clothesline. 49 is the Vader bomb. 48, Dusty Rhodes' bionic elbow. 47 is the Million Dollar Dream. 46, the Iron Claw by Kerry Von Erich. Ravishing Rick Rude's Rude Awakening Neckbreaker is 45. Lex Luger's Torture Rack is 44. The Dudley Boy's 3D is 43. Bam Bam Bigelow's Moonsault is 42. The Diamond Cutter is 41. The Mandible Claw was 40. Honky Tonk Man's Shake, Rattle, and Roll was 39. The Bonsai Drop was 38. Flash Funk's 450 Splash was 37. Sting's Scorpion Deathlock was 36. Mind you, Sting is not a WWE wrestler. Just just make note of that. Lita's Moonsault was 35. Kevin Nash's Jackknife Powerbomb was 34. Jerry Lawler's Piledriver was 33. Rob Van Dam's Five Star Frog Splash was 32. Big Show's Chokeslam, 31. The GTS, CM Punk's Move, 30. Brock Lesnar's F5 was 29. Bob Backlund's chicken wing, uh, 39, 29, sorry. Bob Backlund's chicken wing was 28. The Batista bomb was 27. The perfect plex was 26. Kurt Angle's ankle lock was 25. Chris Jericho's lion tamer was 24. I'm sure I fucked up some numbers somewhere here. Edge's spear was 23. The camel clutch was 22. John Cena's attitude adjustment, shocker, was 21. I expected it since he's like the golden boy of the company to be much higher up the list. 
Scott Hall's Razor, Razor's Edge was 20. Goldberg's Jackhammer was 19. The 619 was 18. The Road Warriors Doomsday Device was 17. The Bruno Sammartino Bear Hug, ladies and gentlemen, was 16. Sergeant Slaughter's Cobra Clutch was 15. Swanton Bomb was 14. The late Eddie Guerrero's Frog Splash was 13. The Macho Man Elbow off the top rope was 12. Randy Orton's RKO was 11. How's the RKO higher than the the Diamond Cutter when they are the same fucking move, folks? Bret Hart's Sharpshooter was 10. The Superfly Splash was 9. Ric Flair's Figure 4 Leg Lock was 8. The Hulk Hogan Leg Drop, ladies and gentlemen, was number 7. Shawn Michaels' Sweet Chin Music was 6. The Jake the Snake DDT was 5. The Rock Bottom was 4. And now the top 3 moves, which should come as no surprise... The Pedigree was number three. The Tombstone Piledriver was number two. And the Stone Cold Stunner was number one. Uh, Blade mentions in the chat that why was the Crippler Crossface not on there? I agree. It should have been. I mean, don't get me wrong. Benoit was, you know, blacklisted. But the move should have still been mentioned. Even if you if you could just say Crippler Crossface, X question mark. But we know, you know, they're going to blacklist him forever. But that move was one of the best moves in the game. Simple as that. I mean, you can also say uh, Dean Malenko's Texas Cloverleaf, Perry Satter's Death Valley Driver. Um, All great finishers. All of them. Um, You can say, yeah, I mean, Edge used his submission, the, um, the educator, the execution, whatever the fuck he called it at the time. He used the submission a couple of times, um, but yeah, I can understand why they went with the spear instead. Dark Helmet, the Walls of Jericho is number... What the fuck number is it? 24. Walls of Jericho is there. Blade also mentioned Shooting Star Press should have been on there. Whether Billy Kidman's or Evan Bourne's Shooting Star Press, it definitely should have been there. But these are the things. That's why I'm saying these lists always cause debates. I'm going to post this on the fan page, and um, once the show is over, just to see what other finishing moves can be included or what moves you felt should have been placed higher. Also, bonuses that were that get honorable mention, the Spinner Rooney, John Morrison's Starship, Starship Pain, Scotty Tuhati's The Worm, Rikishi's Stink Face, Shane McMahon's Coast to Coast, and Billy Kidman's Shooting Star Press gets honorable mention, even though it was such a great finisher. Also... I, I gotta acknowledge Dark Helmet, who mentioned Rhino's Gore, another awesome move that should have been mentioned. But turns out, like I said, this list will cause some interesting debates on the fan page. So be on the lookout for that later on this evening. Last bit of movie news. I'm mean, re- movie news. Excuse me, wrestling news. Vince McMahon allegedly has told WWE scouts to recruit talent that is no ta- that is taller than six two and weighs two forty. The minimum height requirement is 6'2", and he wants him at least at 240 pounds. McMahon is said to be concerned that his talent is too small. Obviously, his promo at da- you know aimed at Daniel Bryan this past Monday was uh, a shot of actual realness and not just storyline. He feels that his roster lacks size. Vince believes that top stars aren't reaching a greater audience because they're missing the superstar look. Here's the, here's the shit that kills me. They're missing the superstar look. If you get a 6'2", 240-pound pound guy in there, 
juice to the fucking gills. He's going to wrestle like shit. This is a fact. See Batista. That's all I got to say. Batista had the Batista bomb and his cool metrosexual sunglasses and his, and his belly button tattoo. That was it. Punch, kick, punch. Guys like CM Punk, Daniel Bryan, Chris Jericho, the list goes on. These are guys that go out there, have such varied offense that they make shit interesting. What do you think, that people want to see five Lord Tensai's wrestle or shit like that? Come on, dude. Get out of the fucking past. This is the shit that annoys me with Vince McMahon. It's like, dude, you're a visionary, you're a genius, but you're fucking antiquated as fuck. Seriously, everybody has to be 6'2 and 240. Where's, where's the uniqueness of your superstars when all of them look the fucking same? It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. But you know what? This is how it's going to be for the foreseeable future until Vince either retires or he gets killed or he dies or, or whatever. Or Shane McMahon buys him out. This is what we're going to continue to see. These jacked up, boring ass, shithead fucking wrestlers that he drags out of nowhere. These bodybuilders that he says, oh, you're going to be a wrestler. Those are the guys. He goes into Gold's gym, finds the most jacked up dude, and he goes, how do you want, how'd you like to be a wrestler? And those are the guys that get fucking hired. You know, the, you know Tyler Black, um, still in the minor leagues. Dean Ambrose, still in the minor leagues. Um... Most of the great talent that's out there that delivers great matches do not fit the Vince McMahon model. Kevin Steen from Ring of Honor, Davey Richards, Eddie Edwards, Roderick Strong, uh, El Generico. I can can go down a list of guys just in Ring of Honor that are tremendous athletes and are nowhere near the 6'2", 240 shit. But unfortunately, you know, this is what Vince wants. He wants the look. Last time I checked, wrestling was based upon wrestling. Not only that, but the ability to tell a story. And guys like CM Punk and Daniel Bryan can do that better than guys like Ezekiel Jackson and Mason Ryan. Facts are facts, ladies and gents. This is a fucking terrible, terrible direction they're going to go in. And you're going to see it in the coming months if it's legit. Because like anything else on the internet, you got to suspend a little belief and you know take it with a grain of salt. That's going to wrap up this week's wrestling segment. Let's get into some video games because there is a lot of shit to discuss, folks. Let's get the ball rolling. My Take Radio's video game segment is brought to you by Gamefly. Rent all the hottest games and keep them for as long as you want, including PC games. Plans start as low as $5.95. I use Gamefly. I actually do um, the column on the site with it, the Gamefly Q Reviews. Just finished 007 Bloodstone, which I dropped in the mail, and I'll probably have a new game in my hands by no later than Saturday. Head over to GameFly.com, like I said, $5.95 to get the ball rolling. You can save yourself 60 bucks, not buy games all the time, just get yourself one or two, and you'll be able to play more games than you did before while saving a little money in the process. GameFly.com, sponsor of My Take Radio's video game segment. Let's get the ball rolling with, um, I want to start with some news that hits a little close to home. Uh, Quark brought something to my attention earlier today involving Lego Batman. Uh, There's a glitch in the game where the game freezes, and basically everything works in the background except the game. Raining works, everything works, but everything else freezes. You can't move your character, you can't do shit. Uh, Quark brought this to my attention earlier today because he's actually playing Lego Batman to review it for the site. Um, I actually directed him to game FAQs and also to the publisher's message board just to see if he could get a little guidance 
seems that there is an ongoing issue with this that is going is being worked on so if you are playing lego batman do yourselves a favor if you catch that glitch please keep an eye out either on the fan page or look on game faqs and if we got any information regarding a fix we will make sure to let you know um right now it seems like there is some stuff out there but it's not a hundred percent concrete that it's working um Quark mentioned that he did get some help, but it still doesn't work. I'm I'm assuming that the publisher is going to release an update, hopefully this weekend, because after Quark told me, I looked around and a couple of people are already complaining about this glitch. So please do yourselves a favor. If you're a Twitter user, please send a tweet to the company, to the publisher, and make sure that this gets fixed sooner rather than later. A lot of people are really looking forward to this game and their experiences are being ruined due to this situation. So that's something I figured I would share with you guys. Like I said, hit up game FAQs or hit up the publisher's site or good old Twitter and make sure that this gets remedied sooner rather than later. Let's get into uh, the other video game news for this week. Uh, EA, EA labels president Frank Gibault, uh made some mention of the syndicate game that was re-released that did not work out the way it was expected. Um, it turns out that the relaunch of that game was incredibly unsuccessful and and the SSX relaunch actually did very well. Uh, Gibbo said that they had very, very good success in relaunching SSX, but they probably will not be doing anything else with the Syndicate series. So there you have it, folks. Syndicate, steaming pile of shit, according to EA. For those of you that like Marvel, the Marvel Pinball series, Zen Studios will be releasing the games on a brand new device. Comic Book Resources report that, that Zen Studios is going to be bringing the Marvel... Uh, Marvel (laughs) Marvel Pinball Series to the 3DS later on this year. You can play it on your PS3 or Xbox currently, but it will be coming to the 3DS. The port will include the Fantastic Four Pinball Table, also Iron Man, Captain America, and Blade. So for those of you that are fans of pinball and have a 3DS, Zen Studios is going to take care of you. N4G and countless game websites have talked about the leaked spec sheet for the alleged Xbox 720, which we all know that's not what it's going to be called. Digital Spy is reporting that the document, which was at least two years old, um, was quickly pulled. It actually popped up on Scribed, and then they yanked it immediately. It's been said that the console will will include a Kinect 2.0 3D technology and an Xbox TV service. The Xbox TV feature will allegedly be available on mobile devices as well as PCs and will launch this Christmas, while the next generation Xbox will launch in the following year. The leaked document also states that they will be providing cloud-based Xbox services by 2015 direct to any screen, allowing them to play games and media from multiple devices similar to what's already been announced with Smart Glass. It's going to be supporting 3D technology through Connect 3D Glasses, that are codenamed Fortaleza, so be on the lookout for that. Again, take this with a grain of salt. This service will come to wi- uh, will be available via Wi-Fi in 2014 and via 4G in 2015, allegedly. The Connect 2.0 will include improved tracking, dedicated processing, and even better play space with high definition. This is also going to include uh, 720 HD graphics and a Blu-ray drive with always online technology. It's rumored that they want to price the console at $299. Again, take this with a grain of salt, but if this is what Xbox is bringing to the table, it's going to be a very, very interesting year for Microsoft. 
In some Sony news, God of War has a collector's edition for their upcoming God of War Ascension. It's going to be pre-order available for pre-order on Amazon for seventy nine for seventy nine ninety nine. Excuse me. Uh, you're getting an eight inch Kratos statue, steelbook case, some avatars, a dynamic theme, a soundtrack, and a pass for all future DLC releases, and also a code for double multiplayer XP. So for an extra twenty bucks, you get a Kratos statue and a couple of other bonuses. Sounds about right. I mean, they always release something cool with a lot of their flagship titles, so. I want to get a good look at the Kratos statue before investing in this, but like anything else, if you wait a little bit, you may be able to just pay regular price. Slick can attest to this through his many visits to Best Buy where he's seen a lot of collector's edition stuff on sale for regular price, and even at times, less than that. Joystick gave out the release date for Doom 3, which will be released on Xbox Live, on Xbox 360, and I believe PS3 as well. That date is October 16th. There you have it, folks. What the hell happened here? Pardon me, I think my computer froze for some reason. Oh, there we go. Sega actually gave out a release date for Anarchy Reigns, um, which everybody was talking about a lot. Originally, it was supposed to be released in the fall of 2011, then moved to July 2012. Now they've moved it again to later this year. Right now, it looks like it's going to be and fourth quarter 2012, first quarter 2013. But the Japanese will be able to play the game July 5th. So kind of fucked up because a lot of people were looking forward to it. We're just going to have to wait a little longer. In some THQ news, it seems that the expansion for Saints Row the Third has been scrapped. Instead, they now have begun work on the next Saints Row game, which is expected to be released next year. So... That cancellation of the expansion is, a, is, expected, is expected to result in a $20 million reduction in revenue this fiscal year. Not a good time for THQ, man. Losing the UFC, uh, money troubles, I don't know, it's just not looking good. Last bit of gaming news to wrap things up. Robot Entertainment announced the release date for Orcs Must Die 2. You can expect to play that on July 30th. They're going to be adding a co-op campaign you're also going to get a lot more traps in the spellbook. Also, PC owners that played the first game can get in-game content for buying the second game. So there you have it. If you're a fan of Orcs Must Die, Orcs Must Die 2 drops July 30th. That's going to wrap up the gaming segment for this week. Let's get right into some movies, shall we? Why so serious? It comes at me with the knife. Why so serious? Sticks the blade in my mouth. Let's put a smile on that face. And... Why so serious? My Take Radio's movie segment this week is brought to you by Shop HBO. Make sure to go to shophbo.com to pick up all your favorite merchandise for True Blood. And also Game of Thrones. ShopHBO.com or click the banner on MyTakeRadio.com as well. First off, we got some Spider-Man and Avengers news. Latino Review recently spoke to Avi Arad and Matthew Tolmack from, from Marvel that said that they originally had planned on adding the Oscorp Tower into the New York City skyline for the Avengers. Um, they The reason it was being done was because the production designer J. Michael Riva, who did the Amazing Spider-Man and Iron Man, 
passed away last week and Marvel Studios had wanted to do something with Sony to honor the designer by integrating the Oscorp Tower into the skyline. Unfortunately, by the time the building was fully designed, the rendering for the digital Manhattan in the Avengers was done and some upconversion still needed to be completed. So the idea was scrapped. So there you have it, folks. It looks like they're really trying to tie all these franchises together. Finally, even with the fact that Sony still owns the rights to Amazing Spider-Man, I'm really hoping that these guys just play nice because at the end of the at the end of the day, it's good publicity for all companies involved. Um, Honestly, I think that the worst part about this is that Oscorp would have been cool to see in the New York skyline just because you could have, again, an Easter egg like anything else, which is what I've talked about. You don't have to directly cite the characters, but little things here and there just make the fans happy. And there's a little bit of fan service as well. I just got to note that Slick is um, on the line. So let me bring him on because he has some stuff to share with us. Slick, what's up, brother? What's up? What do you got, my friend? You have some some movie issues you'd like to address. Yes. um, I know I I complain all the time about the the complete lack of originality in Hollywood. But after seeing something on the fan page this week, I'm just done. (laughs) Go ahead. I'm sure, I mean, pretty much everybody's seen the classic movie Jaws. And... Pretty much nobody has done a good shark movie since that, except maybe Jaws 2. I mean, Deep Blue Sea was okay. But, it, you know, it was still kind of goofy. I mean, the scene where Samuel Jackson gets eaten was ridiculous, but hilarious at the same time. Right. So, I, I was just going through the fan page, and I saw this trailer for this movie called <laughs> Go ahead, dude, because this is all you. Now, if anybody who hasn't seen this, imagine Jaws meets The Mist. The movie starts out looking like something that your girlfriend begs you to take her to. But, like, this couple is so in love that one's moving and the other one has to be with her, so he moves with her. And then they wind up in a supermarket that gets robbed and somebody gets shot in the head. And at that very moment, very conveniently, a tsunami hits. <laughs> yes, indeed. So now you have flooded supermarket, which somehow is still above water a little bit, but a tsunami fucking hit it. And some people have the good sense to get on top of the, the aisles other people are just floating in the water until one dude just disappears under the water. I'm like, what, what, what just happened? Oh, God, there's a 12-foot great white shark in here with us. <laughs> yeah. This movie will be about motherfuckers trapped in a flooded supermarket that got hit by a tsunami, and they're stranded in there with a great white shark. Yeah. I'm like, I didn't think they could make a movie that was worse than Shark Night. Well, but they're really fucking trying because you're going to take two really good movies, Jaws and The Mist, and make other shit out of it. Well, here's here's the thing, and you're 100% right in, in Hollywood's lack of originality, but you also got to take into account that they, um, 
you know, they, they're, they, I put up, I think, three trailers for brand new horror movies coming out. All three horror movies, for, for the first time in a long time, are all rated R. You know that nothing fucking pisses me off more than Hollywood fucking taking a powder and putting out PG-13 horror films to get all the, all the tween money. The fact is that horror movies that are R-rated sometimes, yeah, yeah don't get me wrong, there's going to be gratuitous nudity and all the typical stuff that we'd expect, but you have to couple that with the fact that you're able to do some scarier shit with R-rated stuff. I mean, PG-13, you can do some sight gags, you know, some sleight of hand, but R-rated horror flicks are the way to go, and you know what happens. You put out a couple of solid horror flicks, and then shit just slips through. It's like plugging all the holes during uh, during a waterfall, like in the cartoons, a waterfall is breaking through, and you plug one hole, and another hole comes out. That's pretty much what happens. You plug you plug a couple of holes with good movies, and some shit still sneaks through. That's the worst part of it, dude. Which is sad. But you're gonna see it. Don't tell me you're not. <laughs> I'm not gonna pay to see it. That's for sure. Oh I'm no! Hollywood. If I see this movie, I will bootleg it. I'm saying this on it. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> you will not get my fucking cash for bait. <laughs> Especially when you kill a little dog. You see that dog to a shark. Fuck you, Hollywood. Oh man! And you've got two fucking idiots sitting in a Lexus while a great white shark is swimming around them. Oh yeah. Fucking terrible shit, dude. So somebody brought to my attention while I was on air, and I and you are the perfect man for this. I will read this to you. Nintendo president Satoru Iwata revealed a hardware refresh for the 3DS currently in the works during today's Nintendo Direct presentation. Dubbed the 3DS LL, this new handheld has a 4.88-inch top screen and a 4.18-inch uh, bottom screen. It comes with a 4-gig SD card. Awada also said that it will have a slightly longer battery life than the current unit. It will not include a new AC adapter, but will be compatible with the 3DS and DSi XL adapter. The 3DS LL will initially be offered in in black, white, red, and then in silver and black as well. Well, I I misread that. White, black, and red, and then silver and black. It's going to be available in Japan July 28th for $235. Slick, you have the floor. <laughs> First, I have to say it sounds hard as hell. Here's, here's, here's a kicker. We're going to make a bigger 3DS, and we release the add-on analog stick for the original 3DS. So you would think that well, by building... It. You would no 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 here here's a better one. You would think that in building a bigger 3DS, they would add the analog stick to the other side. Right? Of course not. Of course not. See, once again, Nintendo, you you just fuck yourselves in the ass. You don't bend over and let anybody fuck you. You just bend over, take your own dick, and shove it up your own ass. I told you it's hard as hell. Dude, how the fuck do you put out a bigger 3DS and you don't add the other analog stick? What logic is that? 
Nintendo loves it. And, and on top of the fact, it's two hundred and thirty-five fucking dollars. And you know it's coming to the U.S. You know, unfucking real. There's rumors that the Wii U will go for as much as five hundred. Yeah, well, I got to give props to Quark because Quark brought that to my attention. He goes, "Dude, they announced a new 3DS, and I have to go and fucking look for it." How the fuck does that happen, man? These motherfuckers. This is why, dude, people stop buying Nintendo shit. No, they buy it at Christmas. They'll make a Christmas bundle and they'll sell like fucking hotcakes. Fucking 3DS LL Cool J. Doing it well. Assholes. Yeah, we're gonna make a bigger fucking system and that whole second analog stick that we created? Ah, you don't, you fuckers don't need that. You can just add it to the bigger system to make it look bigger. It's, it's, dude, and I, and I hate having to backtrack, but the fact that I just got brought to my attention and the news broke like fucking 10 minutes ago, it's embarrassing. In some other news though, Smash Brothers Brawl is going to get, uh, Bandai characters and Namco characters. Who <laughs> I don't know, dude. I figured you'd be excited. I don't fucking know. Who cares? Because fucking Smash Brothers never works because the fucking online sucks. <laughs> Sad but very true. Hey, dude, it's what's your friend code? That bitch and I wouldn't be happy. But what's your friend code, though? What's your friend code? 786-352-6874. Shit is longer than a fucking social security number and a credit card number combined. Dude, it is, it is some sad shit. Fucking Satoru Iwata. I'd kick him right in the dick. <laughs> right in the dick. I'd be like, hi, Rich from My Take Radio. Uh, Iwata-san, can I ask you a question? And then I'd just reel back and kick him right in the dick. Like, what the fuck, dude? Really? Hey, look, buy this brand new 3DS. Yeah, it's coming out in Japan only. It's only Japan only. It's never Japan only, you fucks. You assholes. Oh, and the other thing, the new Super Mario Bros. 2 post-launch will have additional stages that'll be paid DLC. I figured you'd love that. Paid DLC on a DS game? On a, I believe, well, no, I'm thinking this is going to be for the Wii U. According to what I'm reading here. So, yeah. First of all, who the fuck wants DLC for Super Mario Brothers? Yeah, Mario. It's like, it's like, hi. We already recycle the same games over and over and over and over and over and over again. But you know what? Now we're going to make you pay for the same levels that are recycled over and over and over and over again. Gamers. They already do that. It's called the fucking classics. uh, Gamers, proceed to bend over, spread your cheeks, and get it with no lube. This is what's happening. And Nintendo wonders where it went wrong. This fucking nigga Quark. Stop bitching. Fuck you, dude. <laughs> fucking Quark. 
asshole. No, but seriously, dude, I, I the, this whole 3DS double L fucking two hundred and thirty five dollars, and it doesn't even have the second analog stick is just sad, just so so sad. <laughs> seriously, dude, it. it this next one goes after Nintendo. We hate you, please die. Yes, yes, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Anything else you need to add? <laughs> nah. <laughs> I right. right, dude. Peace. Peace. So yeah, props to Quark for bringing that to my attention about fucking Nintendo. What a bunch of cunts, fucking cunty assholes. Satoru Iwata, you shit dick. Yeah, it's two hundred and thirty-five dollars. It doesn't have another analog stick, but you know it's innovative and different. Right. Yeah. All right. Let me jump back into movies because. You guys will be happy to know that Superhero Hype reports that the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles reboot has been bumped from December 25th, 2013 to May 16th, 2014. Allegedly, they are saying that the uh, the Turtles are going to be CGI similar to Planet of the Apes. But as of right now, it is on the back burner. So for those of us that were very upset about Michael Bay's Ninja Turtles vision, we only have to wait till 2014 to see it. Let's talk box office totals. Madagascar remained number one. Prometheus was two. Rock of Ages was three. Snow White and the Huntsman was four. That's My Boy was five. Men in Black three was six. The Avengers still raking in the money, number seven. The Best Exotic Marigold Hotel was eight. Moonrise Kingdom was nine. And What to Expect When You're Expecting is ten. Now here, ladies and gentlemen, is your What the Fuck movie news for this week. And I wish I had the sound clip to play, but um, I have a good sound clip that will work well with this. According to BloodyDisgusting.com, with the final chapter hitting theaters November 16th, Lionsgate is already considering rebooting Twilight somewhere down the road. Ladies and gentlemen, you have heard, you cannot fucking believe this any more than I do, but it is fact. They are already discussing it internally, and it will happen. As of right now, Lionsgate said the following. We are, not remake, we are not remaking Twilight, but we will happily support Stephanie Mayer if she decides to proceed in any way. But this will be the last one, unless that, that should change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, they're, they don't, they're not saying if it's going to be a direct remake, but it could be a spinoff or even a one-off sequel. But there is an intention of possibly rebooting it. Even though they say they're not remaking it, there is that possibility, according to Bloody Disgusting. I, uh, I can't. I, I can't. How did... What else is there to do with the fucking shiny vampires? What? What? Slick, please, please help me out here. Please. Because this is this. Thank you. Thank you. You know what I have to say to people that are going to be enduring more Twilight, whether it's remade, rebooted, fresh coat of paint? It just deserves this. Oh my god! Ah! 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 Oh, that's better. Ah! 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 
that that's that's it. That's how I feel. That's how, that that's really how I feel because the worst part is that if you're if you're not going to reboot it, you're going to continue it in some shitty way. What are you going to do? Make the werewolves shiny? Maybe the werewolves turn into giant malamutes instead of werewolves. Just big shiny malamutes that run around and rub noses. Seriously. It's like you ended the story. Be done with the shit. But no, 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 no. We're going to drag it out more. That's what we're going to do. And some other, and I consider this what the fuck movie news because this is digging into the cabinet of the obscure. When I was growing up, they used to give a cartoon called Defenders of the Earth. It had Flash Gordon, the Phantom, Mandrake the Magician, and I think there was another guy that I used to watch growing up. Flash Gordon, I've always had a soft spot for because it was essential to my childhood. Uh, the Phantom as well. Billy Zane is the man, even though that movie was dog shit. But it, it was, you know, it it has its place in my childhood. Anyway, it seems they're gonna they're gonna be bringing Mandrake the Magician to the silver screen. It seems that Tom Wheeler, who did Puss in Boots, has been brought on board by Warner Brothers to rewrite the film, which is based on the original comic by Lee Falk. So there you have it, folks. Mandrake the Magician is coming to the big screen. In some sequel news, the Dumb and Dumber 2 sequel is officially dead. Jim Carrey has exited the, se- the, uh, exited the sequel. Peter Farrelly announced it three months ago it was going to happen. Jeff Daniels and Jim Carrey were going to do it. You guys remember I talked about it. Carrey has left the project because he feels that New Line and Warner Brothers showed a lack of enthusiasm. And of course, with that, Jeff Daniels also confirmed that he would not be doing it without Jim Carrey, so the project is officially dead. In some small screen news, Deadline is reporting that Galmont International Television and Martha De Laurentiis are going to be bringing Barbarella to television. <sighs> Barbarella can only work if it's on cable and we see some tits. I'm sorry. Barbarella's whole character was built on sexuality and just fucking, just just sex appeal from start to finish. So, doing it on broadcast television, recipe for disaster. Please put that shit on cable. Ah, yes, the 4th December Defenders of the Earth dude was Lothar. Yes, he was um, Mandrake the Magician's uh, strongman companion. Yes, thank you. Props to Slick for digging in the crates and bringing that to my attention. Yes. So, Mandrake the Magician and... According to this, yeah, Lothar is mentioned in there, so that may be his right-hand man. So, there you have it. Not really pumped about this whole Barbarella concept. Like I said, it needs to be on cable. That's all I'm saying. IGN recently spoke with David Slade, who's in charge of the reboot of Daredevil, and he addressed the rumors about Josh Hartnett possibly playing Matt Murdock. Um... Slade debunked the rumors but said that he would not be against Josh Hartnett playing Matt Murdock because he feels that Hartnett is an underrated actor and a wonderful human being. So there you have it. Josh Hartnett may be your new Matt Murdock. Vulture's reporting that Barry Sonnenfeld is working on a brand new comic book project and it is an adaptation of the DC Comics Metal Men series. Ugh. Really? Once again... Closet of the fucking obscure with the metal men. Nobody's going to watch that shit. But you know what? That pales in comparison to this new bit of what the fuck movie news. And that involves the Baywatch movie. 
Twitch Film reports that Paramount Pictures is hoping that Justin Timberlake will agree to join the cast of the big screen version of Baywatch. If Timberlake accepts, he will play a disgraced ex-Olympic swimmer who joins the Baywatch crew, which will include David Hasselhoff and Pamela Anderson as well. Ivan Reitman, Bo Flim, and Trip Vincent will be producing the adaptation of the long-running series. In some Machete Kills news, Charlie Sheen has joined the cast as the President of the United States. I kid you not. Charlie Sheen is winning as President of the United States with Machete, Danny Trejo, Jessica Alba, Sofia Vergara, Mel Gibson, Rochelle Rodriguez, Amber Heard, and Zoe Zaldana. So there you have it. Charlie Sheen joins the cast of Machete Kills. And I had to use the brown uh, pronunciation. I can't help it. I'm sorry. I'm a, I'm a stickler authenticity anyway if you guys have been on my take radio's facebook fan page this week you may have seen the teaser poster for the next transformers film which michael bay actually gave some information about in the la times recently transformers 4 is scheduled to be in theaters june 27th 2014 he said the following while the film will have an all-new cast I don't want to say it's a reboot because people will think that we're doing the whole Spider-Man thing and starting from the beginning. We're not. We're taking the story that you've seen, the story that we've told in three movies already, and we're taking it in a new direction. But we're leaving those three as the history. It all still counts, but we're moving on to something different. As of right now, the script is being drafted by Aaron Kruger, and it's not final. Bay did give some hints stating that the fourth film may go into outer space. He went on to say, that feels like the way to go, doesn't it? I want to go a little off-planet, but I don't want to go too sci-fi. I still want to keep it grounded. Bay did make it a point to say that his new goal for this production is to scale the budget back a little bit to around $165 million, which is about $30 million less than Transformers Dark of the Moon. So let me get this straight. You want to do the movie and go into space, but still keep it grounded, even though the fucking Transformers are from space. Right. Good times. Here's the only logical way to do this. And and again, the Autobots leave Earth to start a, you know, to create a new Cybertron. We could go that route. And then you could just have the rest of the movie take place on Cybertron. You could have some humans, but all the shit takes place on Cybertron. Simple as that. Better robots, Dinobots, just take fucking um the Transformers movie that Uh, the Transformers game, and just make that a fucking movie at this point. That may be the best way to go, considering that anything else just would not work. It wouldn't. If you're going to take it into space, make it take place on Cybertron, do the whole War for Cybertron shit, and and keep keep it there. And please, for the love of God, Dinobots, make this shit happen. Make it happen. Let's see some Dinobots, please. If they can include them in the new fucking game, which takes place in, I don't know, space, you can include them in the fucking movie. Seriously. If you can make mutant turtles instead of, you know, that are are aliens, you can make fucking space dinosaurs. Michael Bay, you asshole. (sighs) Don't get me wrong. I like the Transformers movies. They're, They're a nice escape from the norm. But again, he, he fucking contradicts himself with the shit that he says. Oh, we want to take it into space, but we want to keep it grounding. It makes absolutely no fucking sense. None. It makes no sense. 
oh, we want to keep them grounded, but we're going to go into space. Michael Bay, you really need to stop snorting coke off of models' tits. Seriously. Please, cut the shit out, because it's not helping you think rationally. Well, that actually wraps up the movie news for this week, and it re- we are at the end of the show for this week. So let's take it home. You've just heard My Take Radio episode 142 for Thursday, June 21st, 2012. If you have any questions, concerns, or would like to be a guest on a future episode, you can email me at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. Social media, we're all over it. You can follow us on Twitter, at MyTakeRadio. Become a fan on Facebook. Ask us questions on Formspring, formspring.me forward slash MyTakeRadio. Add us to your circle on Google+. You can also look for us on Say 2 as well. Last but not least, get yourselves the MTR app, available on Android and iOS devices. It's $1.99. You get 96K stereo episodes of MTR. You also get access to original MTR programming, including MTR Beyond the Mic, and MTR Behind the Mic. You'll also get access to the Minority Film Report, wallpapers for your mobile device, and tons of other cool shit as well. It's $1.99. Look for it in the Amazon, Android shop, and also on iTunes. Last but not least, if you want to listen to MTR in other ways, you can listen to us on Stitcher, as I mentioned at the top of the program, Blog Talk Radio, the Zune Marketplace, iTunes as always. We'd appreciate if you are getting the shows via iTunes to take a second rate the show, write a comment, helps us move up the rankings, get noticed by by more listeners. So please take a couple of seconds, write a review, give us give us a good grade. We'd really appreciate it. Besides that, you're also eligible to listen to MTR on the tune eligible is a terrible word. You're also able to listen to MTR on the TuneIn Radio app as well. Just look for My Take Radio there and be on the lookout for My Take Radio on Xbox Live. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, That's all I'm going to share. MTR, Xbox Live, soon. All right, guys, that's it. We're out of here. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for your continued support. I will catch you guys next Thursday, 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. Peace.
Thank you for using Blog Talk Radio. Goodbye.